Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. My name is Adam Vietmeyer. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, when Pastor Tom approached me about speaking, I felt some of those initial feelings you feel, right? You get nervous, right, and some excitement. But when he said it was going to be on community, I got really excited. Uh, one of our core values here is a priority of meaningful relationships. And it's special for me to be up here because there's so many meaningful relationships right in this room for me. So thank you for being with me this morning. Pastor Tom led us last week, right? We're talking about this new community, right? The church is formed, and it has this upward focus he talked about last week, bringing glory to the Lord. Well, this week we're going to talk a little bit about inward focus, what we can do as a community to come together in unity. And we're going to look at three primary questions that we're going to try to answer this morning. One, why is unity so difficult? What makes it so hard? Two, what does it take? What does it take to do it well? And then three, when we're living in unity, what does that accomplish? So we're going to look at these three questions. Our scripture today, our primary scripture is going to be Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, if you want to turn there. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. This is a church he helped start. You can read about that at the end of Acts 18 and Acts 19. Paul spent significant time there. So this is a church he knows, and he's writing to them to encourage them. In this part specifically, encourage them toward unity. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, I believe this is a timely message. It's not an accident, Lord, that we're here right now reading about unity. We need this, Lord, and I ask that you would soften our spirits and that you would help us to hear from you this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, before we get to our three big questions, we've got to set the stage here a little bit, okay? So look at that first verse. As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul's in prison here. He's writing from Rome, Rome I'm sorry, from Rome. This is probably in the early 60s, 80, 61, 62 maybe. He's walking the talk, right? Paul's willing to get thrown into prison for these things. It gives some validity to the things he's saying. But he says, as a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Well, what's this calling we have received? That one word, then, in between, refers back to everything he said in chapters 1 through 3. It's all that he said in chapters 1 through 3. So, we're going to attempt to summarize that a little bit. Now, I'll be honest, this is going to be difficult to summarize. Not necessarily because of the complexity of 1 through 3, but just because it's just so good. It's some of the best scripture for me, not to rate scripture, but... Ephesians chapter 2 is probably my top five chapters in the entire Bible. It's one of the clearest pictures of who we are in Christ and what the gospel is, okay? So in chapter 2, it talks about how we were dead in our transgressions, right? We weren't close in our transgressions. We didn't need a boost in our transgressions. We were dead. Think bottom of the ocean for two plus years, decaying dead, right? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, right? Jesus saves us, right, from that. And he did this by his grace, right? Grace, unmerited favor, a gift you don't deserve. It's one thing unique about Christianity, right? We've talked about this before. 
other religions of the world, you have to earn it. We don't earn it. It's a gift. And he gets the glory for that, right? But he doesn't save us and simply keep us at arm's length. He saves us and brings us into the family. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his, with his pleasure and will. He brought us into the family. And then he goes further. Chapter 1, verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. He brought us into the family, and then he went inside us with the Holy Spirit, right? He lives in us now. And he did this for both the Jew and the Gentile. It goes on in chapter 2, talk that Gentile there simply means non-Jew. So it means it's for all who believe, all people. It's a high calling, right? It's a high calling. Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are children of the promise. That's a high calling, right? Paul is urging us to live a life worthy of this. As I was reading this, it made me think of Bob Lowen. Many of you know Bob. Bob's one of my fellow elders. Before Bob retired... He was chief of police for the city of Woodstock. It's a high calling, right? You got to get, work your way up the ranks. The city manager has to nominate you for approval. The city council has to vote on you. You want a man or woman in that position who is worthy of the position, worthy of respect, right? High character. Why? Because if Bob blows it, he brings shame not only on the low in name, he brings shame on the city of Woodstock, on police officers all over, police chiefs, Right? He needs to live up to the position. Bob was called to that position by men and women in that city, right? High calling. We have a calling from the God of all things. That's a high calling. And Paul's asking us to live a life worthy of it. What he's saying is if chapters 1 and 3 are true for you, prove it. Prove it by the way you live your life. So how do we prove it? Well, we hold fast to those truths that we see in chapters 1 through 3, right? You've got to hold fast to those. We also rely on him to help us live holy lives that are set apart, right? Living sacrifices. But a third way we do that is by the way we love each other and live in unity. And that's what he's talking about in Ephesians 4, 3. Ephesians 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, notice his language there make every effort. The church is less than 30 years old here, and already Paul is writing about making every effort. This is going to take work. They already know it. Obviously, God already knows it, right? But why? Our first question, why is it so difficult? Why is unity so difficult? I think instinctively we know, right, we're humans. Different preferences, different opinions, right, different values. Some of you want a 10-minute sermon this morning. Some of you want a two-hour sermon. Okay, maybe not many of you, right? <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be closer to the former. <laughs> Some of you want more hymns up here. Some of you want more electric guitar, right? We're different. We have different preferences, different things that we want. 
But we also still have sin, right? Another thing that makes it difficult for you, we're still sinful. We still love the things of this world rather than the things of God. We're selfish. We get complacent. We get lazy. And on top of all of this, there's so many things in this world that divide us, right? So many things. Do I need to say more? Right? It's difficult. Unity, particularly unity within Christian community, is challenging. It's hard. So what does it take? Question two, what does it take to do this well? Well, Paul doesn't leave us alone. Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You want to stand out on Facebook? Try some humility, right? Do you want to stand out on Twitter? Try gentleness. We don't see a lot of this today. Do you hear the vulnerability in those words? The vulnerability? In James 5, 16, it says, confess your sins to one another. The level of vulnerability required to confess your sin to a brother or sister is great. And that's necessary for authentic community, for unity and community, and authenticity, right, of vulnerability. I think about our elder experience here. We've had people come to us as elders and say, you know what, we're leaving the church because of broken relationships, we're leaving. We've had married couples come to us that have said, you know what, we're done. It's time for the divorce. Oh, how we wish you would come to us sooner. Come to us sooner. That there would be enough vulnerability to come early and say, I'm struggling with relationships within the church. I'm struggling for forgiveness and reconciliation and I need help. Walk with me in it. Or our marriage is hurting. There's a sin issue and we need help. There's nothing overly special about us, but we will pray with you. We will seek Him with you. We're here for you. That's what authentic community is. It takes a vulnerability. It says be patient and bear with one another in love. Those two words, patient and bear with one another in love, that means you're stepping into the mess, right? You don't use that language unless you're willing to step in the mess. Part of it is an intentionality. Authentic community needs an intentionality to be willing to step into the mess, right? A few years ago, my wife went through a difficult medical procedure. She was in and out of the hospital a few times, and it was very difficult for us. Pastors from this church came and prayed with me and prayed with Stephanie at the hospital, right? They brought us food. They prayed with us. We read scripture together. My life group gave us so much food. Stephanie's home recovering, I think I gained 10 pounds, right? <laughs> right? Community came together in the midst of a messy time in our life. But it's one thing to come together in the midst of sickness or a new baby, which is great, right? It's another thing to come together and it be intentional in the midst of broken relationship or somebody's personality who just rubs you the wrong way or sin issues or hurt, right? I recently had a conversation with a brother from our body, a brother whom I love and respect and he shared with me something that I had said and did that hurt him, and it hurt him deeply. Do you know the level of vulnerability and humility it took for him to come to me and say that? And then do you know the level of humility and vulnerability it took for me to accept it? It wasn't easy, right? It was messy. But what were we doing? We were stepping into the mess together. We were intentional because we're fighting to maintain unity within our relationship and within this body, right? 
We're making every effort. A third thing it takes. Presence. Unity requires presence. Now buckle up, okay? I want you to hear this very clearly. I said this in the first service. There's some people that are still waiting for vaccines and don't feel safe. There's some people because of illness and age that can't be present here. I want everyone to know that they are a part of our body and they are loved. They are a part of our body and they are loved. But there's others, there's others who feel comfortable now. They're getting out and about, they're in community, but they're not here. Or maybe you're here this morning, right? But you're not in your life group or you're not attending or you're not doing something else, you're not serving, right? And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to be present, to jump in, right? Imagine if we met for the first time in the foyer and I said, I tell you all these great things about my wife, Stephanie, she's great, she's all this and that, and she is, she's great. And then you say, oh, I'd love to meet her. And I say, well, Stephanie lives in Texas. We're married, but she lives in Texas. How strange would that sound to you, right? Because the institution of marriage assumes presence, right? It assumes presence as appealing as that may sound to my wife Stephanie at times, right? It's not going to happen because we're one flesh. We're together, right? It's part of the deal. It's the same with the local church. We're together. It's part of the deal. Ephesians 4, after our verses 11 through 16, it's talking about spiritual gifts. And then he says, to prepare God's people for works of service, in verse 12, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And as it goes on at the very bottom, it says, as each part does its work. Presence is not passive. It doesn't mean getting here and taking up a seat. It means you have a part to play. You have a part to play, right? Now, you may be sitting here saying, I'm getting filled up. I'm doing okay. But it's not about you. Your spiritual gifts and what you bring to the table help build up and edify this body. And you need to use your gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses the body analogy again, talking about spiritual gifts. And he talks about this. I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. No, we need each other, right? We all have different gifts. I'm not Pete Sandberg. I don't have his gifts, right? I'm not Leah Beck. I don't have her gifts. They bring something to the table. I'm not Brad. You don't want me up here leading worship. Trust me, you don't. We want Brad up here leading worship because Brad brings something, right? He brings his gifts for the edification of our body, right? We all bring something. There's a calling there. We need presence. Now listen, I don't want this to be a scathing message, Fox Valley. So much of this, we do so well. So much of this. You, you probably wouldn't believe, maybe you would, of how many people prayed for me this morning. Just stop me as I'm coming in here. Hey, Adam, I know you're speaking today. I want to pray over you. That's community, right? That's community. But we can take it further. We can take it further, right? There are sins in this room that need to be confessed. There are relationships in this room that need to be mended. There are spiritual gifts in this room that are lying dormant that need to be awakened and used. Where do we get the power for it? Where do we get the power to live in such a way, right? Well, remember what it said in Ephesians 1.13, right? His Holy Spirit lives within us. 
The Holy Spirit lives within us. These aren't simply things that we do. This is who we are now, right? This is who we are. It's part of our DNA. This is part of our DNA. I can show humility toward my brother because Jesus humbled himself and took on flesh, right, and became a man. I can step into the mess of this relationship because Jesus stepped into my mess, right? I can bear with my brother in love because Jesus loved me when I was unlovable. He's our strength. He's the reason we can do it. So what does this look like, church? Question three, a community that is in unity, right? What does that accomplish? It accomplishes so many things, okay? But the first I just want to highlight is protection. Protection. Do you know one of the primary reasons I wanted to become an elder? I wanted to help Pastor Tom finish well. We see so many men and women in ministry that are not finishing well. Now, I don't presume to know everything that happened in those situations, right? I don't know when temptation came to their doorstep. I don't know when things went sideways. But I know one thing that can help. Authentic, real community surrounded around them, right? That's praying with them and seeking the word with them and asking difficult questions. Authentic, real unity in community. Is anyone a fan of nature shows? I'm kind of a sucker for some of those nature shows. So, there we go. Thanks, Adam. So those nature shows, right, uh, particularly if there's a hunt. If there's a hunt going on, I'm locked in, right? So you got 1,500 wildebeest out there, right? And here come the six lions, right? Well, what are they doing? You got some great British narrator that's narrating it. The lions are coming in. They look for a weak one or a small one. And what do they try to do? They attack in such a way as to isolate it from the group, right? Because there's strength in the community, but they know if they can get it isolated, they have a meal. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion. 1 Peter 5.8, the battle is real. The battle's real. Now, do you ever ask yourself what happens if the wildebeest gets smart? There's 1,500 of us and there's six lions. Do you know what happens to the lions? The lions starve. They starve. Imagine, Fox Valley, if we were united as one and we starve Satan out as he's trying to command the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, if he said, you know what, don't bother with Fox Valley. You, there's nothing for you there. You'll starve. Not because there's something special about us as humans, but there's something special about the one who lives inside us. There's something special about the one who lives inside us. And as we're united with our eyes on Christ, we can fight and protect against Satan and his schemes. But not only that, when we're united, we can take it further. Because now it's not just a protection. Now we can take ground, right? Protection. Growth. It accomplishes growth. You ever work out by yourself? Yeah, you can do pretty good, right? But do you ever work out with someone else? Particularly, you ever work out with someone else who's stronger than you or who works harder than you do? Now you're really getting into something. I worked out with Kyle Mobley. Kyle Mobley is one of our members here. Kyle's stronger than I am. Yes, I'm admitted to ain't it, girls. <laughs> Kyle's stronger than I am, and he gets after it, right? He works out hard. Yep. And my workouts with Kyle are awful, and they're great, right? They're awful because at 5 a.m., when the alarm goes off, right, I can't hit snooze because Kyle's going to show up, 
He's there, right? Or I'm doing some crazy lift he's got me doing. I don't want to do another one. And he's in my ear telling me to get another rep. It's awful in some ways and hard, right? But what happens? You get stronger. You get stronger. When you're in authentic, real community together, you get stronger. You challenge each other. It's one of the reasons I'm up here today. It's because brothers and sisters within this body saw fit to challenge me to take gifts further, right? It's one of the reasons I'm here. We can challenge each other in community. The third thing it accomplishes I want to highlight is glory. Glory. Romans 15, 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. With one heart and one mouth we give Him glory. When we're living in unity when we walk in unity, when we're being humble and gentle and patient and we're bearing with one another in love, right? We represent Him. We give the world a picture of who He is. We don't have time to get into the theology of it today. God is perfect in unity in Himself, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God doesn't have to make every effort to attain unity. He simply is When we walk in unity, we represent Him. We give the world a picture of who He is. And there's power in that. There's power in that. Look at the things that unify us. We're going back to our verses. Verses 4 through 6. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. These are some of the greatest truths of things that unify us as a body. Now stay with me here. Follow along. You're a Jewish believer. I'm a Gentile believer. We're still part of one body. You're black. I'm white. It's still the same Holy Spirit that lives within us. We disagree on secondary points of doctrine, right? Our ultimate hope is in the same thing. Jesus is coming back and eternity with him awaits, right? You voted for this guy. I voted for the other guy. So what? So what? Jesus is Lord, and it's at His feet that we bow, right? One of us comes from a life of sin and darkness, things that are unspeakable. One of us comes from a life of grace, and we came to know Jesus at an early age, right? Guess what? We were both dead in our transgressions, both of us, right? And we were both saved by grace through the same faith. And our baptism symbolizes the fact that both of us have been brought from death to life, right? With Him. We disagree about social justice or COVID vaccines or masks or whatever the issue of the day is. We have the same Father, one God and Father of all, who is over all, who's over both of us, who's working through us to bring glory to His name, whose Spirit lives inside us. Church, the things that unify us are infinitely greater than the things that divide us. Infinitely greater. And we spend so much time on these things that divide us, these temporary things, when the things that unify us are right here. So where do we go from here, Fox Valley? How do we apply this, right? Well, one thing that's clear, we got to be present, right? It's easy to sit on the sidelines. If you get in the game, you might get knocked down, right? But you're in the game. You're in the game. 
God has gifted us in certain ways, and it's time to get in the game. Show up to things, right? Church, activities, I know we can't do it all, but show up before the throne. Quarterly, we come here and we worship the Lord, and we are unapologetic about it, right? Show up. There's different things to serve in, right? There's kids over there that need men and women in this body to step up, right, and bring them the truth and bring them to maturity. So show up, get involved, use your gifts, life groups. Life groups is a place where life happens, right, where you can step into the mess. And trust me, it will get messy at times. It gets hard, it gets difficult sometimes. But when you walk in it, and you walk and try to maintain and make every effort to keep that unity, God is honored in that. Make every effort. Make every effort. And one last thing I feel that needs to be said Differences are going to continue. Differences happen, right? So as we disagree, which we will continue to do, do it with humility and gentleness and patience and in love because that's what the body of Christ does. That, that's what makes us different, right, than other communities. I'm going to call the band out here. As we close, I want to remind us the things that unify us are infinitely greater, infinitely greater than the things that divide us. And when we're unified, we're a light to the world. And that's where I'm going to encourage you to show up next week. Because it doesn't end here. When we're unified and together, that's not where it stops. It's not just for us. Then we are able to become light to nations, right? And CJ's going to lead us in that next week and talk about how the gospel goes out, the outward focus. All of a sudden, when we're a unity, when we're in unity, we stop becoming a community who's defined by the things that we're against and we start to become a community that is defined by the one we represent. And there's power in that. So Fox Valley Church, live a life worthy of the calling you have received by living in unity with one another as we keep our eyes on our almighty God. We're going to sing a song. It's a song a lot of you know, but we're going to sing it in a different way. We're going to sing it as a community. You'll see it with the lyrics. We're going to sing it with one voice one voice. I'm going to invite you to stand and let's, with one voice, praise our Lord and King.